but you can you just don't want to just find it hard and when we find things hard then we go oh i'm just gonna find an excuse so i don't have to do that <laughs> hello i am joel ingram and this is crisis to crushing it podcast let's dive into this week's talk and i'll help to increase perspective expand perception and allow you to change your reality enjoy the show so today on the show, I have Kath Foote. Kath is a happy, lively, and engaging coach, high-impact trainer, and expert facilitator, specializing in personal branding, employability, self-promotion, skills development, self-awareness, mentoring, leadership, and confidence. An accredited trainer for the Institute of Leadership and Management, holding tutor membership and delivering level two qualifications. She holds a certificate in advanced and guidance qualification level four and a diploma in NLP. She's also a member of the Career Development Institute, working for the higher education, third sector organizations, SMEs and multinationals for over 20 years. She has an infectious personality. She's warm and has empathy and positivity. And she has an innate ability to work with a diverse range of people and build long lasting relationships developed through authenticity, authenticity and a clear passion to support people find a career they love and deserve. Kath, welcome to the show. Oh, hiya. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard really hard listening to like the good stuff about you isn't it it's not it's not always easy is it we're not used to it are we i can't <laughs> you know when i talk to my clients i'm like embrace the positive you know bring it in don't push it away and here i am guilty as charged thank you that was a lovely intro thanks <laughs> for having me no glad you're here glad you're here so tell us what's going on in the world right now for you oh same old as like what what have we all been doing for the last 12 weeks? Staying in, staying in, looking at the window. I'm in my front room today. Um, it's a really positive environment for me to work in because I recently had it decorated. Um, and it's my nice, um, I don't know, it's my comfy space. And it allows me when I'm working from home just to kind of every now and again, have a little look at what's going on out there. Um, so yeah, just trying to stay positive, trying to, um keep my kids happy trying to keep the husband happy trying to juggle work and schooling which sometimes doesn't happen at all um and everything else that's going on so you know same as everybody else and i know that everyone's kind of i don't know we're 12 weeks into lockdown um and i was on twitter this morning and there was a tweet that really resonated with me and it was about um, how somebody just said, my goodness, I really feel like I've hit a wall this week. Um, and I was like, yeah, me too. I'm so with you, sister. Because uh, I do. This week's been a bit of a struggle. I don't know whether it's weather, because um, it's all a bit grey out there. I don't know whether it's kind of what's going on politically right now. Let's not get into that, eh? Um, don't know whether it's just being stuck in for 12 weeks and missing, you know, missing humans, other humans. I don't know. So, yeah, that's my, God, that's a depressing start, isn't it? <laughs> no, oddly enough, that's it. I think I did a role this week as well. It's, uh, and I've been remarkably positive up until this point. It's, 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 <laughs> until you spoke to me and I brought you right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, it's, it's, yeah, this week has been more of a challenge than any of the other ones for some reason yeah. i couldn't tell you what 
I know it's there's a lot of people feeling it you know I listen to Radio 6 in the morning other radio stations are available out there and you know Lauren she was saying the same thing this week and loads of people are kind of you know sharing the same feelings so I think we're all struggling at the moment I really do and I'm one of the lucky ones you know um I've got my health I've got my family I've got friends I've got a garden I can go and sit outside if I need to um so yeah it's I really, you know, I know how difficult it must be for people who, who maybe aren't in the position that, that I'm in right now. So, um, yeah. Try and stay positive. Smile. Make the best of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So, you just touched on a good point, and we sort of had this preamble before the conversation started about having the good stuff and not being able to take it on. Where, where, do, where do you think that comes from? Where it's difficult for us to listen to good things being said about us. Oh, I don't know. I think it's kind of natural. It's just innate, isn't it? It's kind of this, um, people just really struggle with, with positivity. We, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing um, or what, but most people that I meet really struggle with being told good stuff. We hunt the negative all the time and we focus, we, maybe we don't hunt for the negative or maybe subconsciously we are, I don't know. Um, but when negative things are out there and bad things happen, God, we focus on them and then we over-catastrophize. And I said that word right for the first time in ages. That's a word I really struggle with. Um, and, you know, we kind of make mountains out of molehills. Something bad will happen and then that's it, isn't it? That's the end. Never, oh, I'm never going to do that again ever. No one's going to like me. Oh, I'm never going to get another job. Oh, my woe is me. And we kind of do that all the time. Um, and I really don't know why it is. And we really struggle with, with compliments and... We shouldn't, we should, you know, part of the key message that I give when working with clients is that we have to know our value. We have to appreciate who we are. We have to kind of see how good we are because if we don't see the good in ourselves, how the hell do we expect anybody else to? Um, and it is something, like I say, I don't know why it's kind of all done subconsciously. And I guess it's learned behavior because we're not born like that, are we? We don't come out and then go straight away. Oh, well, that was a really rubbish experience, not going through that again. And, you know, we don't, you know, we come into the world as little babies. Um, and whatever life kind of throws us, us shapes us, I guess. And it's all different, isn't it? It's all different. We all have different experiences. We have different kind of social capital, different networks, different influences. Um, we all see the world differently. So I guess it's just kind of learned behavior. But the fact that it's learned behavior means that we can unlearn it, right? Absolutely, yeah. So do you think there's like, um, and I struggle with this, now. you just said about helping to understand your own value. How would you help? One of your clients, what, what sort of, give us a, a rough, uh, rough overview or a high level view of what you might say or help them with to take that on. And um, the first thing you've got to do, the first thing I get people to do um, to kind of understand their worth is to get them to really think about kind of who they are and what their values are. We don't spend enough time thinking about what's important to us. Um, so we kind of go through life sometimes really struggling with stuff and a lot of the times that's because we're not living to our values but we don't if I said to you now Joel you know what are your 
what are your three values that you hold dear you probably would kind of go uh, um ooh. Uh, i can tell you because <laughs> I'm, I'm very yeah, strong on values good, good, good. <laughs> a lot of people can't so what are your what values do you hold dear then joe share it with us uh integrity is first mm. family is second yeah uh, and compassion is third brilliant you know exactly what they are because you've done a lot of we've got kind of similar backgrounds haven't we when it comes to personal development and and growth and kind of coaching clients through that so I'm not surprised that actually you could give me that answer but so many people struggle with it because they don't think about it and then when you get people to think about their values they kind of give you an answer that they think is right or they they want to be like but aren't necessarily um kind of it's not really what drives them do you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah like, so i know like, one of my values is um is kind of humor right so i have to enjoy life and, i'm and not surprised that's your and, one of your values at all and and, and <laughs> the thing is is so because i know that i know that that can be a really good thing mm. But I also know that it can actually be quite a bad thing for me as well, in that it kind of drives, it can drive my behavior kind of two ways. And, you know, you just ask my husband, you've got like, for the millionth time has said to me, Kath, it's three o'clock in the morning. You're meant to be home at like 12 because fun Kath is like, oh, party, you know? So sometimes are, and, it, and it's kind of having an understanding of that. And then once you understand that, you can understand what drives your behaviors. And then when you understand what drives your behaviors, you can understand why you make certain decisions. And then you can start taking ownership and take control of those decisions. So that's kind of the first thing. And obviously that's something that you can't do overnight. That takes time and it takes real effort and it takes focus and concentration and it also takes like real honesty as well you've got to be honest with yourself because you might not like what you see um, and then a part of that to kind of make it easier for them i'll kind of say okay so you're going to be struggling with this and i get that so who do you hang around with who you know what value what do you see in your best mate who did you marry um what what did you like about them who did you vote for what do you like about the religious you know what is it about that that religion that kind of draws you to it and just getting them to think about um the environment that people that they surround themselves with and to see if they can then kind of recognize some of that in themselves because we tend we tend to go with people who are like us right so i've got like a best friend from school give her a shout out louise tambini hello um and we've been friends since she came to my primary school. She joined us um, when she was like six years old. I'm 40, 46 now. I kind of like to forget how old I am. I said, but, you know, just like, it's not intentional, I promise. Um, but I've known this woman for 40 years and her, and our friendship has stood that test of time. She's moved away. She's going to London. She's come back and we're still, you know, we're still thick as thieves. And we're really alike. So I know that we share kind of like that same value system. So that's a really good starting point. Another thing that I get people to do is just get people to uh, just to ask people for feedback. We don't we don't often ask for feedback. We don't like getting feedback again because it's that oh I might get like a positive comment and I'm going to be really uncomfortable with that. Or we don't want to be told stuff that we don't want to hear, um, and then we kind of get defensive and kind of curl up inside and the childiness comes out yeah stamp our feet don't want to hear it um 
but there's real value in asking for other people's opinions because very often people see things in us that we don't necessarily see in ourselves. So there's ways around kind of figuring out um, who you are, what drives you. I've just kind of gone off on a tangent, sorry, Joel. Bring me back oh, to the original question. No, spot on. Um, <laughs> I mean, spot on, because what I was going to say was that you said we don't ask ourselves. And yeah. I was never prompted in school or college or anywhere to like understand my value or what I value. No. It's just something I come to when I was like 41. Yeah, me too, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe I wasn't um, that old, but certainly for me, it was definitely like my mid thirties. You know, I'd become a mum. I had three kids at that point. Kind of my career was going in the places. It just felt right. I didn't have a career plan when I was younger. Um, my career is one of happenstance and it's literally kind of, I just fell into something, ugh, didn't like that, tried something else, that was all right, managed to kind of try something different and oh, all of a sudden I could kind of see the fit, yeah? Um, and, and, and we're not, and I find it really frustrating because we were expecting our kids to know what they want to do at the age of 16. Oh, come on, give me a break, right? Um, 16, Oh my God, all I could think about was being able to go to the pub in a couple of years and working out I could go and have a, you know, a sneaky cider with my mate without my mum and dad finding out. And boys, end of. Um, like GCSEs were in this somewhere when I did study and, you know, I kind of enjoyed music, but it was all about my friends and my social life um, and really discovering who I was, you know, that's the age where you're exploring things, right? We won't go into that right now. Um, <laughs> How, how do we expect our kids to know what they want to do at that young age when we're not even working with them on the most simple things of what do you enjoy? I was talking to um, my friend's daughter the other day, social distancing, saw them at the garage as I was doing a little shop and the, the daughter was at the car and her daughter is the same age as my son. Um, they were meant to be doing their GCSEs this year. So they are going to be that generation where they didn't sit their exams. So they're going to be getting their results just based on the performance in school and whatever somebody, you know, the teacher thinks that they deserve and kind of goes on the predictor. I'm not, I don't want to go into it, but predicted grades, whatever. So with that generation, and I was talking to her, we were kind of shouting through the window and um, I was like, what's, what's next for you then? What are you going to be doing? And she's like, oh, I'm going to go back and do my A-levels. Like, oh, exciting. What one's you doing? And she said, and I said, does that excite you? She said, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, what do you enjoy? And it then went, sport. And I was like, okay, so that's good. And then her mum went, and loads of parents, if you're listening to this now with kids, you'll resonate with this. And her mum went, yeah, but there's no future in sport. And she's a woman. What chance has she got? Okay. And that's her opinion from the world that she sees. However, my opinion is, do you know what? Sport doesn't mean that you're going to go and play football for the Welsh team, right? Other teams are out there, the Welsh is best. You know that, Joel. Um, but it doesn't mean that she's going to go and play, play football for Wales. It could mean anything. She could be part of the coaching team. She could work in physiotherapy. She could work as a, um, as a coach, as in a 
professional development coach. So looking at motivating teams, looking at the science behind it. There is so much that you can do. It doesn't just mean picking up a rugby ball, a football, a hockey stick, whatever your sport is, and playing for that team. Obviously, that's hard, right? And, and it's difficult to break through. But then I also think that someone breaks through. Yeah. And, and the, the, the landscape is changing. You know, I work, um, I work for Quarry Tig and we're a charity um, that really focuses on um, equality. So it's about ensuring that women are represented in the workplace and in politics and in society fairly. Um, and it's a subject I feel very strongly about. Um, and there are lots of changes to be made, but I can see the changes. And in five, six years time, when this young person who I was speaking to just yesterday, the world's gonna look a very different place to how it is now because we are progressing. Not quick enough, um, but that's another subject, but we are progressing and who knows what lies ahead in six years time for females wanting to break into to the sport industry. And I think that when you get a career that you enjoy, then you're kind of happy for the rest of your life. And I honestly think that because the work-life balance, the work-life rhythm, it's so important. Because if you're not happy in work, I guarantee you're going to come home and you're going to take that out on your nearest and dearest, whoever that is, whether it's your wife, your partner, your kids, your dog, your cat, whatever. And vice versa, you know, if you're not happy at home, you're going to go into work and you're going to be miserable and you're going to be unhappy. So it's kind of getting that, that balance across life. But if you're happier in work, then obviously you've got a better chance then of kind of being that better person at home, of being that person that you want to be, not that miserable, sad person that sits on the settee and drinks a bottle of wine every night and eats Ben and Jerry's until it comes out of their ears, right? Um, and just shouts at everyone around them because they can't cope with the stress. And there's a lot to be said for this whole, oh, find, you know, find your passion, you'll be happy for the rest of your life. At 16, you're not going to know what that passion is. But so it's about creating an opportunity for kids to have an open mind. Mm. Open up your mind to opportunities and explore. And while you're exploring, be aware of how it makes you feel. Because they can do that. That's a learned behavior. I didn't learn about reflection until I was final year of university. No, same. I was, yeah, when I was doing my uh, foundation degree. Yeah. 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 You don't touch on it, right? But it's really important. How does that make me feel? Does that make me happy? Brilliant. I can explore that and I can look for other opportunities related to that. Does it make me miserable? Yeah, right. Get out now before it's too late. And one message that kids kind of need to understand as well is that your first job's never your job for life. And particularly now, I know maybe the, the boomer generation, it very much was around security and stability within the workplace and you would go and get a job and you would more like most likely stay in that role until you retired you know my dad worked for the same organization for like 40 odd years um can you imagine telling a gen z that now <laughs> you're gonna go and work for a company and you're gonna stay there until you're like well by the time they retire they'll be allowed to retire at 85 probably um, and you're gonna be there for like 55 years they'll be, they'll be horrified and it's not. First job is an exploration and it's just about, ooh, figure out what you like. So let's give them the skills to do that and let's not focus on making a career decision when you're 16 years old, that's you're gonna that you're kind of stuck with forever. Yeah. It's no wonder they're so confused. 
No, absolutely. I, I remember the same discussion with my uh, my my daughter. She's um, they just requested to see if she'd be willing to go back. However, she's considering, or she would like to be homeschooled to finish. Yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. Off, you know? Okay. Um, but I've said though, I said you need to find. I need to see something that I know I can take you a path. I can take you down that yeah. you can explore, and I can show you potential opportunities rather than you just saying, "I want to do." I just want to be homeschooled. I said, that's, that's too, there's, there's no end goal there for me. No, no. Give me an end goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let me see then, where. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sorry if you just picked up on a bit of noise there. It's one of my several deliveries of the day. And um, the, the joys of working from home. So forgive me for any noise that you it's might fine. have picked up. It's fine. It's fine. So, but yeah, and uh, my son, uh, was 15. So he's yeah. got GCSEs this year as well. Ah, oh, same as my son then. Yeah. He's, um, all he wants to do is something to do with YouTube and gaming. I know. Yeah. Which, which is fine. fine. Again. <laughs> no, fine, but be honest with me now. Right? When they say that, what do you want to say? Like, like what, what wants to come out of your mouth? I know you probably stop it. <laughs> I can, I can tell you what I used to say. And I'll tell you what I do say. <laughs> I used to say, um, like I used to like give him a limiting belief. Like can't make a bloody living out of that. That's probably okay. what I used to say. Yeah. Uh, whereas now is that's fine. Tell me how you're going to make a living from it, and show me how you can turn it into an income. Absolutely. Go and do some research. Go and show us what people are doing. Come back and give us a present us a you know don't have got to do a presentation or a pitch deck, but just talk us through how you see that working for you. What the options are going to be? Lay those out. Yeah. How are you going to make that idea into a reality? And it's such, oh, but so many parents do it, don't they? And it's not a bad thing. It's because that's what we know. I used to do it, you know? It's, it's what we know. But what we don't realize is, is that we are just reinforcing these, these as you said, these self-limiting beliefs. We're telling them that they, they, oh, you can't do that. All right, okay. And who do they listen to? Who's their greatest influencers at that age? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's teachers. Yep. It's parents, it's close relatives, and it's it's friends and role models, sometimes probably more role models, which is why he wants to be a YouTube gamer. Because yeah. that's what he's seeing, that's who he's surrounding himself yeah, with. Yeah, he's, he's in that world all the time, so. Yeah, yeah my son, you know, is in, is in that too. Um, he does the gaming, like homeschooling to, to my youngest, uh, he thinks it just is playing on the PS4. Um, <laughs> like, I hate to break it to you, love, but you have got to do some other stuff first. You can have that as a little bit of a reward. Um, but like, th that's what he would love. So he loves his PS4, right? Um, but he's also a massive film buff. And he watches YouTube channels. And there isn't, there's nothing that he doesn't know about films, right? If you watch a film with him, you kind of have to tape his mouth up because you'll get a running commentary. I don't do that, by the way, guys. I don't, all right? Don't report me to social services, please. Um, so if, if you do, he honestly will be like, oh, so this actor has been in this film and he did da-da-da-da-da and an interesting fact about him is, and in this bit, they didn't use CGI, they used da-da-da-da and the director said it's because da da and on and you just like, so he just absorbs all this information on YouTube. And he also does the same with his art. He loves art and he watches YouTubers on how to draw. And I think that's brilliant. And um, there's some really good channels out there actually that are really educational and kind of speak to kids in the way that they need to be spoken to. And he's learning a lot from that. 
but yeah, in his head, he's going to do that when he's older, you know, um, he's going to have a YouTube channel and he's going to um, be teaching people how to draw um, for graphic novels. Um, that's his thing, like comics, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I don't say he can't. I just, I encourage him to, um, it's a struggle because I don't want him on YouTube just yet because he's only 12. Mm. So I don't want him on YouTube because I don't, I think at that age, they don't quite get the complexities of it. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that kind of can exploit younger kind of innocent people. So that's a bit that I've kind of got to hold him back on just now. But you know, I've got, he's got a, um, an Instagram um, account and that's his art account and everything he draws goes on there. Um, and so, you know, I can still encourage him to focus on what he loves and what, and what he enjoys and to kind of get that message out there, but in a controlled way, because that's our job as parents, isn't it? Mm. Um, we want to encourage them, but we also have to make sure that we keep them safe. Um, but yeah, you know, my son, when he grows up, if he's not working either in films or some kind of creative role where he's using his artist skills I will eat my hat you can come back here I haven't got a hat to eat I'll buy one and I'll eat it for you right um I know he'll he'll do something in that because that's what he enjoys and as a mum um and his dad's the same you know we're gonna encourage him to do that yeah you know good so on you I mean a lot of people wouldn't like you said they'd be be a case of like my, my mother said it to him uh, a long time ago like a couple of years ago uh, to my eldest son she said oh you can't make a living from that can you there's a question on the end of it yeah. i said well actually mum he's got like ten thousand views on that one video like so okay. the potential's there it's just monetizing it you know so he, he's you know he's getting good engagement yeah this just needs to understand the monetization aspect of it. So it's something I need to look into with him and he needs to be searching. Yeah, and, and that is, you know, they, he's clearly got something there. He, if he's got engagement of 10,000, my goodness, he's doing something right. He's got, he's got something mm -hmm. that people are resonating with. Yeah. And that's one of his strengths. He probably doesn't even realize that that's a natural ability of his. No. No, and, and again, I think let's focus on our, on our youngsters' strengths. Let's get them to see not just their skills, because I, I don't know how you feel about the whole skills, strengths debate and a, a strengths natural or can we learn them. I think everything is learned, right? Yes, agree. Right? <laughs> I think everything is learned because, again, we all come out exactly the same way right and then life presents us with opportunities to enable us to um expand i think some people kind of ha can be naturally disposed yeah. to think so I, I guess like you saying bolt um he's like an amazing athlete right we all know you saying well, not personally i'm talking a lot as if i know it. oh yeah i mean you're saying oh my best mates um so he but if you look at his physique i mean he just is built to run, isn't he, you know? And he's worked on that, obviously, but he's tall, he's got long legs. So, you know, for every seven or eight steps I make, maybe when I'm running, he would make one. So maybe he's more disposed to being great at that, but he practices, doesn't he? Right. 
Oh my god, he practices to get to get to get better. And perfection doesn't exist because you can always improve. There's a really good book. I'm just looking at this on my shelf there. Um, oh, I haven't got it on there. But it's uh, Matthew Saeed Bounds. I think it's one of the ones I gave to someone and never got back. Hate it when that happens. Um, and he talks about, so Matthew Saeed, he's, um, he's a journalist, isn't he? But he's also a, a sports um, person. So table tennis champion, I think. And I, my, my husband read the book and I kind of picked it up and had a little flick through and I was reading the beginning bit. And he talks about how him and his brother had like exactly the same opportunities. And one turned into a, a um, place in an orchestra and he became a table tennis champion. I think, I don't, I don't know it fully, so don't get me wrong, um, but I know he's like won medals, I just don't know in what, sorry. But anyway, he talks about how um, he became this, you know, excellent at table tennis, but there were four people in his street, four people in his street that were all um, amazing at table tennis and all performed to a really high standard. Um, and he was like, is that coincidence? You know, is there something in the water in my street? And as you read through, it turns out that there's actually a coach, a table tennis coach who lives in the street. And I mean, a high level table tennis coach. And so he's teaching these kids. So these kids have got this interest because there's somebody who lives up the road that has got them interested and then has invested time to coach them. But then he talks about how, you know, so me and my brother are the same start with that, but then my brother went off and it's because he would get up every morning and practice, 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 practice. And then he'd come home and he'd practice, 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 practice. Whereas his brother was like, nah, not that bothered. And go off and do something else. And he just talks about, you know, it is a strength of mine, but my goodness, I've had to put like 10,000 hours of practice in to get to that like kind of like mastery level. Mm. Um, so when, when it can, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength there. Cause I do think, I think all strengths are learned. Um, we can We can be good at, anything I always use the excuse at maths that I'm rubbish at maths um and I am but I could get better I just choose not to that's a different frame isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. It, is. it is you hear it quite a lot and I know you see it a lot when I was in school like oh he's a natural mm. especially in the in the in the you know and in art like you said people predisposed like a, there's a couple of people that come to mind like good footballers when I was in comprehensive yeah. uh, and in the golf club there was certain people just, just had, had this beautiful rhythm swing yeah but then they started to put the effort in they were playing three four nights a week training two three nights a week yeah. um but there's nothing to say you couldn't surpass them if you trained harder exactly you know it's uh like you said it's just that if it's a scale a, a linear scale they just start off further along that scale than you are yeah yeah no exactly and yeah you see it all the time you hear people so i'm like i say i'm a great example i'm rubbish at maths and like i say i am really rubbish at maths but my confidence i just remember when i was younger then my confidence being knocked massively um being told that oh you're not quite up there you're not at that standard um so you're constantly telling yourself that oh i can't i can't i can't and it just becomes a habit then doesn't it and then you once it becomes a habit you know we start hearing it more and more often and then you don't hear it because you just know it and it's kind of programmed into your brain that you're rubbish at it so you're still hearing it but it's all kind of unconscious it's like somebody called it the other day a poison parrot which i loved i said i did say to them i did say to them i'm so gonna steal that next time i'm talking about this stuff. um so we've all got like that gremlin or that chimp or that poison parrot like and we don't always hear it do we because we're so just used to it being there in the background yeah. 
Um, and there's people who do the same. Well, I can't draw. I'm not creative. I'm not artistic. Um, I'm not. Um, oh, I can't learn languages. I just can't pick up other languages. But you can. You just don't want to. Um, you just find it hard. And when we find things hard, then we go, oh, I'm just going to find an excuse so I don't have to do that. <laughs> and, and our kids are hearing it all the time. Um, all the time from such a young age. Oh, you can't do that. Or you shouldn't do this. Or, oh, there's no point doing that because you know you're not, you're not very good at, at, at this. And yeah, or they're really good at something. And because it's not what, I don't know, as parents, what we expect, oh, you can't do that. Don't be daft. Or we don't understand it. I mean, let's be honest. In five years' time, there are going to be jobs out there that don't exist now, right? Jobs in tech. Jobs in artificial intelligence, jobs in, I, I think digital literacy is absolutely the way forward, right? All of our kids need to be absolutely ingrained in tech because that is the future. Um, so how can we comment as adults about um, a future that we don't quite understand, that we can't That's, see? Can't, can't we? No. Yeah, we, we say, oh, you can't do that, let me say silly. But it's exactly what we had said to us. This is why we've got to be that willing to be open-minded enough with our children to, to and be humble enough to know that we don't know the future. Yeah, no, yeah. I know, I know. And just how prepare them. I did this session um, at um, Housing Association a few months ago um, when we were allowed to go outside and see people. It was a wonderful time, Joel. I really liked that. Um, and I talked about developing self-awareness and I did, uh, I did two sessions kind of back to back on the same subject. And it was part of the Housing Association's kind of week of learning. So I was one of many, many presenters, many speakers that they had in over a week, all talking about different subjects. And so as a result, you'd have different kinds of people. You didn't really know who you were going to be getting in the room. Mm. And I had a, you know, a real variation from um, kind of caretakers who were looking after um, tenants in, in um, flats to like the finance director so it was a real mixed group and what was really interesting is that i was kind of going through my talk and talking about how we can become more self-aware and what we need to be working towards and tips and techniques and a couple of people and both very different roles from different groups said to me at the end that why aren't we teaching our kids this in school this is what they need because I think when you become more self-aware, when you kind of become more aware of what you're good at, things that you're not so good at, or environments where you know that you're not going to be great in, then we're giving them like a much better chance for success. And I really do believe, um, like from the bottom of my heart, I think that there's jobs out there for everyone that we can feel like we're getting something out of. And Gen Zs, they really need that today. They need to know that there's a purpose to what they're doing. And it doesn't matter what they're doing. It could be a receptionist in a hotel, okay? The purpose there, they might love talking to people. They might love the fact that they're seeing people on a one-to-one -one and that they're the first point of contact with that person as they walk through the door and they are making their experience. They're the first part of that, that experience for them. That gives them purpose. 
or it could be, you know, big picture. I'm going to go and work for a global, uh, you know, for the United Nations and I'm going to go and change the world. And that's my purpose. So it can be big scale and it can be small scale. But if we can get our younger people to understand what it is that drives them, what they love doing, they can then find employment that kind of gives them that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. It's, uh, I've always felt that it, if I'd have been asked to do that I've been in a corporation for like 23 years, 24 years, but I never felt I was aligned with like I wasn't, it never really truly assessed where my competencies lay. Yeah, yeah. So as in a natural default, you know, as in what is he naturally good at? Where would he best be within this company? Yeah. And and I always felt that it'd be, would have been A, refreshing, <laughs> and B, I would have felt more fulfilled within my role if I was in a role that met those needs, which in return, what a positive for the company too. Yeah, how many people do you know that are working in a role, right? And they've been there for years, they've been doing the same thing for 15 years, like a like a robot, right? Going in, same thing every day, um, kind of that autopilot. And you ask them, okay, so what what's what's your company's mission? What's your company's vision? How are you contributing to that? How can you feel like you're being valued? How can you feel like you're contributing to something if you don't know what it is? You don't know the purpose, why you're there, what you're doing. A simple thing. I think I'm only speaking from where I've previously worked. Uh, I've got a few jobs outside of this corporation. None of them have had mission statements other than this one. Um, so it's never really discussed. And to me, from what I've seen in all the different places I've worked, is the, the value the company places on you is what you get paid. That's it. Yeah, I know. But we we need more. It's not like, this isn't 1950s, is it? Oh, no, like, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with things. I think things this need... This isn't like 1950s where they, they think that the only way we can reward people is by paying them a wage. Like, yeah, yeah that's fine. But Maslow's hierarchy, if you want to get into theory, it's like basic element, right? Yeah. Um, we need more than that. And people are motivated for so much more than just just financial rewards. Um, like, and I think the intern yeah, extrinsic motivators are absolutely relevant and we need them and they will kind of, they can fire us up. And actually, if you are extrinsically motivated, that's cool too. Just, you need to know what motivates right. you. You yeah. actually know what needs to motivate you and whether it's more internal or whether external, don't matter, right? Just know. But, you know, most, I think a lot of people are driven more by more intrinsic means. And it is about understanding they're worth feeling valued feeling listened to there's so much more that can be got from that kind of when you feel like you are worthy you are being made to feel like you are worth something that people know what you stand for that people know and tell you like we need that we all need to be heard we all need to be loved we all need to be to be listened to um yeah, we need money but money's not the be all and end all uh, i worked um in a role for 15 years and I had a, I had a really good pay for what I was doing. When I compared it to what others were earning kind of outside of my industry, I was on a really good wage. Um, and I kind of liked it there and I really did love what I was doing. But that actually, that, that money became a focus of, well, I can't leave because I won't be able to survive if I learn less, right? Mm. Um, 
And then I was kind of out of congruence with what's important to me. So anyway, I did take the plunge and I did leave. Redundancy came up, you know, voluntary redundancy. And I am denied about it for a long time. Like you have 12 months. And I literally am denied about it for 12 months. I made my decision like three days before the deadline and I was gone within that three days. Um, so there's the, you know, there's, and I was kind of thinking secretly deep down inside, are they one? They think that I'm, I'm far too important. For, and they, oh yeah, Kat, um, brilliant. Can you just write a hand over file and uh, thanks for everything. And uh, you'll get your payment for redundancy in about four weeks time. Bye. It was kind of like that. I was like, oh, radio. But I'm really glad I didn't. Do you know what, Joel? I'm now working for an organisation that I absolutely, um, oh my goodness, they, they, it gets me out of bed in the morning, right? The work that we do, um, I feel so driven by it. Our mission statement, I kind of live by it. Um, one of my values is fairness. Yep. I now have a job where I am living my values and that's really important to me and i'm earning fifteen thousand pounds a year less that's, um, that's mad so i got a story that goes with that so when i when i was shop floor and i moved over to office that was the drop i took yeah but you know what that was i said this to my boss and, and by the way i've gone as well i've taken i've uh, i'm redundant now so so yeah, and I said to him, I said, the last year has been, I've been there, I think it's 24 years. The last year has been that most fulfilled and happy I've been going to work in my life working there. Yeah. Um, and I thanked him for it because it was a, it was a growth orientated team I was in. Yeah. So the, when you, when you t take that step up and it is a step up because you're changing, you're coming away from shop floor mentality, which, which is what it is. Right, and I love the crack and everything that goes with it. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that go with it that keep you there. Yeah. And affect mindset with regards to other aspects of your life. And were they those kind of the the financial that kind of reward system? Was it was did you find it was that that was holding you there? That was that was the biggest one. I mean, I had a lot of people come up to me and said, "You must be fucking mad!" Like literally, like you yeah. want your head red because you know grass is not always greener. Like, yeah, I know, but I'm not happy. Yeah. And, that's, you know, and I, I leveled with my family and told them the situation, what the drop was going to be. And they were like, okay. My wife was like, do it. Just do it. Because we'll make it work. Yeah. We'll make but, it work. But isn't that such a closed mindset thing to say, though? Um, oh, the grass isn't always greener. You, you, you're right. It's not. But how do you know it's not unless you try? Yeah. You right. know, it's just like, just, oh, there's so many naysayers. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Yeah, I'm me. <laughs> I'm really, really happy for you. And it's, yeah, honestly, I, but it's a massive thing to do. Um, but those, that intrinsic reward that you're going to get from that, that gain, oh my God, you're just going to, your life is going to be transformed. And transformed is a massive word, actually, because when we transform, we never go back, do we? It's not just about change. No. Transformation. Transformation is kind of, you know, that's it now. This is kind of the new, the new me, the new the new Joel, the new thing. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. Honestly, I've not looked back. I could say 15 grand, is a, it sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But like, we still got our cars. We still have little holidays. All right, we don't go to, um, we don't go to Florida, to Disney. I'd love to take the kids. Can't afford that. But yeah. as long as, but it's not the be on end or I can still, you know, 
quite happy jumping in the car and going to spend two weeks in France and sampling the wines and chilling out. And, you know, there's, <laughs> that's what kind of makes us happy and it works for our family. And, yeah, you can always want to do more and, and bigger and better. And that's fine. But it doesn't, it doesn't drive me. As long as I have enough for my yeah. family to live the nice I don't need brand new cars, you know, I don't need Florida holidays. Nice to haves, but not essentials. No, absolutely. I mean, I read something or heard something the other day where they were saying, I'm not sure if we said this on the first time round. When you if you're if you're going through life waiting for those big holidays or the new car or the new house or whatever it may be, that perceived level up. There's things you will do which will alter your daily behaviours to get it. And whether that's more overtime, cutting back here and there. And in, in essence, then, you're sacrificing every day. Yeah. So you're not fully living every day in pursuit of this two weeks or, know. you know, it's not that that gives you fulfilment. It's You're missing out on this massive space in between where you're living. Yeah. That's the bit that needs to be fulfilled. Yeah. Because that's the majority of life. Like, yeah, you know? because we live, we live in now. We're not living in the future. We're living now in the moment. Yet so many of us either live in the past and are trapped by the stuff that has happened to us, all right? Or we're living in the future and I was longing for more. Where actually, if we just stopped and, I don't know, just look around, look at what you've got and... Think I'm doing it now as I'm talking to you, and I've got goosebumps, right? Because I adore what I've got. I really do. I'm getting a bit emotional. And <laughs> um, I absolutely adore what I've got, and I feel really lucky. And this is, even though there's loads of stuff happening in my life all the time, and I didn't have the best um, child. Well, I had the best parents, but I had, you know, I had a certain amount of traumas that happened to me, and they might be insignificant to others, but they were significant to me and and did affect my confidence um and the way that I looked at life but no you know now I'm I'm content I'm in a really good place um I want you know I do want to keep developing for me um another thing that keeps me fulfilled is being able to continually improve and continually develop and continually learn as well and that's something that I really would like my children to have and they don't have it yet but i have to remember that they're them and i'm me yeah and they're young and their their version of the world is very different to my version of the world um but as long as we kind of just keep giving those positive messages yeah yeah and making sure they're safe and letting them become more self-aware and know the things that they're good at and keep an open mind. We just, you just know that they're going to be okay. And hopefully kind of reach that level of contentment that I'm feeling right now in my life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is, um, I've, I've noticed there's people within my uh, organization from different age, age ranges. So I'm like in the forties, I've got one in his thirties and one in his twenties, all going through these like little mini, like, like crises of is this it hmm. you know yeah. and and so it's, it's I, i've noticed it's going back it seems to be going back further and further and further again younger and younger and younger so the other day my, my kenzie used to ask me when he was 10 what's the point what's what's the what were you here for what's the purpose 
Oh my but, goodness. You know, that's nothing I've been saying to him. It's just like his own musings, you know, what, what, what's the purpose? Like? And yeah. look at me, my youngest one who's seven, he came up and said it the other day and we haven't even had these conversations. Wow, they're going to be philosophers when yeah. they're... <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it's like it's too early yet. Listen to you. Yeah. Hello, just enjoy your youth, man. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. read Rupert. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do think though that they're exposed to such a different environment maybe to, than, than we were. There's so much going on in their world right now um so much almost too much for their for them to kind of comprehend yeah. can you imagine my son was 16 um two weeks ago when i was 16 i was like parry poor boy come on love have a cake with your mum. buy you some balloons <laughs> just like and that might now be a little thing to us, but can you imagine feeling that at 16 and just like the frustrations and the, maybe the anxiety and the, that, that it causes? Yeah. Um, it's, so I, I really can't blame them for thinking that. No. Um, I think their version of the world now compared to what we were growing up in is so different, you know, and, and I think everyone's kind of very politically active, aren't they? We've got very much um, a political culture now of division. Mm. You're this or that, and both are bad. Don't <laughs> <laughs> matter which side you're on. If you're on that side, they're bad. And if you're on that side, then they're bad. Right? And that's kind of what they see. It's all polarised. It's all a bit bonkers. It is, it is. Let's not go into politics. <laughs> no, that's funny if you want to go into politics. Um, so there's something you mentioned just now. You said... Um, that growth mindset of yours, like you want to keep growing and uh, moving forward. So something I struggled with and recognized in myself is I'm, I'm that way too, to the point where I almost don't even recognize what I've achieved. Yeah. How do you, how do you capture that for yourself so that it's not, otherwise it's just a constant treadmill of non-achievement and it's like, like the next thing and the next thing and the next, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to give yourself time to reflect. You have to just stop, just stop. And actually you've got to take a break because otherwise it can just get kind of too much as well. I was meant to do, um, I was meant to do an Island Seven, uh, I think it was last year. And I actually said, it's not the right time for me just now. Um, I've, there's a lot going on. I just kind of need to stop and consolidate. Mm. And I'm starting it now, hopefully um this year instead later in the year i'm sure it'll still run be it virtual that's fine by me i'm kind of used to this now um so it is allowing yourself time just to stop and take a breath and consolidate what you've done and actually just reward yourself so whatever how whatever you need as a reward then do that if it's going out with a family for a meal then go out with a family for a meal if it's going on a bender with your mates then go on a bender with your mates if it's um I don't know if it's phoning your mum to tell her what you've done, then do that. So just allow yourself a chance to celebrate. Because we would with our kids, wouldn't we? If our kids get like their GCSEs, what do we do? Celebrate. Yeah, we like, come on then. What do you want? And then we ask them what they want to do. What would you like to do? Do you want to go to Thorpe Park? Do you want to go for a meal? Do you want to go away for a weekend? What is it you'd like to do? We ask them. And you just need to do that for yourself. Because otherwise, like you say, you're just on this constant treadmill. Um, and you just don't know when to stop. And also you get to a point where you don't kind of know what else to do. So the other, the other day I actually put myself up for a job in work. It wasn't a promotion. It was a, just working on a different project um, at a higher level of education. So it was like developing like level five content. 
Um, And I put myself up for it. And I didn't get it. Um, And I think that that disappointment is important as well. To give you a chance to reflect. Because I honestly thought that I was absolutely going to get that job, right? Oh, it's mine. Got my name on it. I went in, you know, I was confident. I felt the interview went really well. And when I was told I didn't get it, you had that phone call and you, you, the first words you hear are, um, so, first of all, I'd just like you to say you gave an excellent interview. And then straight away, you're like, all right, okay, here it comes. So I'm like, tissues, I need tissues. Tissues, please, because I'm obviously going to cry in a minute. Um, and I went through all the emotions, you know, anger, sadness, disappointment, frustration. Finally to acceptance. I kind of went through that curve. <laughs> Four days. I'm cool about it. And it actually allowed me to stop and reflect and think, okay, you thought that you were going to get that. Why didn't you? What do you need to do? So I think sometimes as well, it's good to put yourself out there and put yourself up for things um, and not get it so that you could kind of sit and reflect and then I guess build your resilience um, because it does help build your resilience, but it allows you to really think about what it is that I, what haven't I got? What didn't I do? What, how can I improve? So then the development is a much more, um, how am I? I'm trying to think of a word to say this, but it's more meaningful. Mm. We are not just doing and doing and doing. There's a reason for it. And we yeah. all need that reason for ownership, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I, when I eventually got that job in quality, that was, I think it's either four or five times I interviewed for it. And each time I went back and I said, okay, what did, what can I improve on? I asked them for feedback. To such you know, and I was, yeah. and then it was a case of okay, going in on my own time. So I book leave from my my job mm-hmm. to go and sit in quality office and understand more of it. Yeah. So yeah. they're seeing. Hang on, this kid's keen. Like you know, he's a. Yeah. He, he obviously wants it. If he's willing to put himself out, then perhaps he wants it. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. And um, let people know that you're open to opportunities. Let people see what you're willing to do to make sure that you've got the the. Yeah. the skills that you're developing you know your strengths to enable you to do that to a good level you know as a coach um i'm a i'm a coach not through qualifications joe but through experiences and i know that really frustrates some coaches um i know it does i'm on linkedin i read linkedin and i know that a lot of people would be like oh you know there's a lot of kind of cowboys cowgirls out there um saying that for quality and there's a lot of cowboys out there you know, they don't have they don't have the certificates but I've worked in like careers education for 20 years I know I you know I'm able to build rapport I'm able to build confidence I'm able to give advice and guidance I read a hell of a lot I'm always upskilling but I realize that I can still learn which is why now you know I'm doing my NLP um, practitioner in um, hopefully in July, um, if if, it, if we're able to, which is why I'm doing my ILM, my coaching and mentoring, because I kind of, even though I know I've got all of this stuff, there's actually no harm in developing my core skills so I can become better. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's kind of thinking about that as well, um, and I just think as a coach, yeah, I'm good, but. 
doesn't mean I stop there, does it? We've got to strive to continue to be better because things evolve, people evolve, customers are different, every generation that we work with are different. And if we're not on it, if we're not learning about that, then we're not going to be serving our, our clients. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, odd thing is though, I've never had one single client ask me for my qualifications. Neither have I. <laughs> Neither have I. However, there's no, you know, there's no harm in doing it, is it? No, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, I one, day we, one day we might, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be like, I got life experience. <laughs> Here's my scars. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, I know it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, well, uh, let's have a look. So, obviously, you're under that certification, coaching. So, Tell me a little bit about the future that you envisaged with this like growth mindset, improving yourself. What's the future hold for Kath? I'm going to have my, uh, I'm currently working full time. Um, not out of choice, I don't think, because I really love what we do at Quarry Tech and my job isn't done there yet. Mm. There's more to do. Um, but I think, I, I, you know, I'm, 40, I'm 47 this year. Um, by 50, I would like my self-employment, which is busy now, grown organically. I don't put myself out there too much because I can't balance the two roles and everything else that's going on in my life. Mm. Um, but I would very much like to be working for myself um, by the big 5 Um 50 is a bit of a milestone for me because I used to be very frightened of getting old and I'm actually there now um that's not old i know i know and i know and i know people will say that's not old but you know that's kind of my in my head kind of that's always been the point of oh my goodness i've only got another 10 years and i'm 60 and that used to be retirement age when i was when i started out but obviously now it's not mm. it's, we've got another i've got another so i've got another 20 odd years to to give and i am a giver right i'm one of life's givers i part of my purpose, my why, if you like, is being able to help other people, as corny as that sounds. Okay. It's what I enjoy, and it gives me an immense amount of satisfaction. Um, so I would love to be working for myself, but working with, um, I guess, what I would like to do, if I'm honest, is working with people and earning enough money to kind of so I don't have to work till I'm 85, right? Because nobody wants to do that. I certainly don't. Um, so building out enough money so that I can maybe finish around maybe 60, 65, but also build up enough money so I can actually provide free resources to people that really need the support because I'm very aware that I kind of help people who are privileged. And by, you know, privilege is a word that is used a lot at the moment, and we can have another chat about that another day, whatever. Um, but I am, if you're in a position to be able to pay for someone to coach you to become a better person or to get a better career or to write a CV for you or to write your application, then that's privilege. And that there's so many people out there that don't have that. And so how, and then how can they access the, the job market how can they get to the place they want to be how can they figure out who they are because that's not touched on in school so I would kind of like to do like I'd like my business to be able to fund an element of that mm -hmm. I'd also love to be able to go into schools and that would be I just kind of see that as 
you know, unpaid as well, being able to go into schools and maybe just get kids to just see themselves a bit. I, kids, it's really patronising term, I'm really sorry. I would like to get children, young people, to um, start working out what they enjoy. Um, I've got a friend who's a head teacher and we always, we talk about this a lot. Hi, can I ask a question? Yeah. When you said about going to schools then, you immediately went to free. No, I know I did, but that's kind of my my mission of, and maybe you know, maybe I charge the, the schools that can afford <laughs> and really go in. There's there's a lot of youngsters out there, right, who are completely disadvantaged for whatever reason, and I don't know. I would like to be able to do something to help those. I've got to earn a living, um, and there's a standard of life that I want, and I can't do any of that until I can build my business to enable that I can't give stuff away. I have to get paid for my value. And I'm a, don't get me wrong, Joel, like I talk about this a lot to people who undersell themselves, that undervalue themselves, that don't, that, you know, will go in and give free stuff left, right and center because they think it'll help build their brands. Well, really, it's just a little bit exploitative um, by organizations because there are a lot of companies out there that can afford it. But then there's, so, so when I say schools, maybe it's not schools, maybe it's charities. Maybe it's, you know, you know um, I um, I haven't planned or prepared this. This is genuinely just kind of all yeah. just coming out naturally. Um, so it's probably not as polished as it, as, it, as it could be. But that does that make sense? They're kind of, so on my own, doing mm -hmm. my own thing, helping people, earning a decent wage for doing that. And then through, through that, maybe being able to provide for my family and myself when I'm a bit older, but also be able to give back to those that don't have access. No, absolutely, yeah. It's, um, so the way that, that this podcast, as I see this podcast, is my free content. Uh, so like my, my not my minimal viable product, but like the, the, the lowest cost product I've got, which then leads into you know, my coaching and other things and programs and stuff. But certainly, yeah, what you said makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of stuff, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, the School of Life. Right. Have you heard of that one? So, I mean, if you wanted to provide that sort of value uh, and that facility, check out the School of Life and, and then maybe you could do something along. Yeah. Do you know I mean? Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, like we're getting it to schools and getting it to those disadvantaged people. I think, do you know what, something that's... I've always wanted to do, and it's a goal I wrote down a long time ago, was to have an impact on the syllabus. Like actually, like be in a position where I can shift what they're saying is required to be implemented within schools. Yeah. I feel quite quite strongly, as, as we've just discussed everything, and you've just nailed everything that I feel strongly about, and those things, why weren't we taught that? And yeah. it's, it's, it's other aspects too that I'm, we were missing when I was a kid, but my kids are touching on it now in the school area. Yeah. There's, I think there's lots of stuff that's missing. You know, these kids, are, they're leaving. I, I left uh, green, com completely green to what life was. And I, and I felt, even though my parents enabled me to a degree, I felt there was a massive gap, yeah. you know, in what I should have been able to do. Or yeah, me too. Absolutely, me too. Um, and I think I think young people get left behind. Um, our school. Uh, I can't get into politics with you because you will lose. <laughs> you will lose. 
But, um, well, you're not, you're my gay listeners, but you might do some, I don't know. They disagree with what you're But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's under opinion, you crack yeah. on. School's not just about academic stuff, and I just think in this country, we mm. focus on the ed- we focus on the academic, and we forget about actual life skills. Yeah. Um, and they need to be focused on that, because not we're, not all kids are moulded the same way, all right? Some are more academic than others, um, because they want to be, I don't know, because the environment they're in, whatever reason, some are great at it, some not so good. And I think we forget about the some that are not so good, but actually that some is a huge percentage. And when we think about Generation Z, so, you know, our current, you know, kids, children, we've got children the same age, Gen Z, they're going to be coming out into the workforce soon, and they're going to make up more than probably, I don't know, probably more than a third of the workforce in like kind of five or six years. They're our future. Mm. So when we're old, we're going to be relying on them to keep this economy going. Yeah. You know, yeah. they not, and then, so we need to be looking after them. We need to be nurturing them. Um, and I feel we are letting them down at the moment. And it's not for schools wanting to try. Schools' hands are tight. Yeah, they are exactly. doing as much as they can, and I'm saying that with hands on heart, knowing people who work in schools, knowing people who have influence in schools. My goodness, they care. They care, and they work so hard. But there is only so much they can do. They're not trained social workers. They're not trained career coaches. No, they're specialists in their subject areas, but they're expected to be so much more, and with a very small amount of money. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, like I say, we could, I'm sure that we, we could put the world to right on this subject another time. It's a huge subject. It is a huge subject, yeah. And I, we've got a good idea, actually. I mean, if you know anybody, they'd be willing to come on and discuss, especially a teacher. I would. Uh, yeah. uh, Honestly, I've, my I've, friend is up in Liverpool, uh, in Formby, and she, um, she's a deputy head, and she has been her and her teachers have absolutely kind of stepped up and raised money from the local community and they've got um they've been running kind of food banks and taking these out in their own time Mm. using their own cars using their own petrol to make sure that that children are looked after that Mm. they got food that they're that they're okay um that's not in their job description. It's not yeah. in their job description. No, I think you're right. There's a lot of stuff that's missing. And I think some of the, some, like some of the things my kids tell me that some of the teachers say, you know, uh, sounds to me like some of them are not aware of how impactful their words, words will be to that generation. Because it was said to me and, and I went a completely different direction for 23 years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's like, so it's like they need those skills, like the delivery and the communication skills, which they probably taught to a degree. But what opened my eyes to it was NLP. Mm. You know? And there's teachers going into these roles that are going maybe very similar to yourself and like myself. When you fall into a role, where you, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in it, and you're like, oh, well, you know, it's, you're there, but you haven't always got all the skills you needed. No, and people are complex. Children are complex. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. made of the same mould, but I just think that our education system is built around that. 
Mm. Um, but we're all complex creatures. We're all different. We're all uniquely, wonderfully different with different experiences and different things to give. And yeah, it's not an easy working with the public yeah. <laughs> in whatever role you're in. Yeah. It's not easy. No. It's not easy because we're all so different. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. uh, it's not. It's a. No, I don't know. I, I I don't think I could do what those teachers do for my children's school. No, I know. And what they put up with is unbelievable. Right? I know. I've got so much respect for them. Um, and I, you know, when I read on social media, people kind of slating them, and I just, yeah, I just, I've got to protect my own mental health and get off Twitter because <laughs> it's not good for me at the moment. <laughs> Oh, social media is like that. No, I know, I know, I know. And 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 do you know what? That's something that we can control, John. Right? We can't yeah. control COVID nineteen and the situation and lockdown. We can't control that. But there's things that we can control um, that affect our moods, that affect our anxieties. And if it is taking social media out of your life, which is hard, because actually for some people it's their contact with the world. Um, but you've got to think about how it makes you feel. I, said, I think this week it's not been my friend. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I think that's a that's an impactful place to leave this conversation. Actually, oh, okay. it's, uh, yeah. No, yeah. Good for thought, people. Indeed. What did you say? Um, what did you say? Then you said it's, it's not <laughs> good for my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That just about control. There's things we can control. There's things we can't control. And um. I am very aware that this week social media has actually impacted mm. on my mental health, on how I'm feeling, yeah. um, on my anxiety levels, um, on my mood swings. So as a result, you know, I have a choice whether I maintain looking at it and make me feel like that or whether I put my phone down and say, not today, not today, Twitter, not today, Facebook, I don't need you. I wonder how many people realise they've actually got a choice. I know. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is and it is a good end actually I like that that's a good one yeah okay poignant. yeah it is it, it is, is very poignant <laughs> <laughs> uh, right I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation again Kat uh, uh, me too Joel we should definitely do it more often yeah we'll definitely do another one so <laughs> I want to thank you today for your uh, your honesty your openness uh, and your fun and humour that you bring to things it's, uh, it's infectious as, yeah, as, as the introduction said. Yeah, but you can't say that now because of COVID-19. Not a great word to describe <laughs> me. <laughs> so, Anthony's on a postcard and how uh, I, on, a, on a, a different word I can use. <laughs> no, um, absolute pleasure. Um, really, really enjoyed it. A lovely way to spend um, a Wednesday. Kind of grey-looking afternoon. So, excellent thank stuff. you very, very much. No problem. Thanks again, Kat. No worries. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.